Good morning, and welcome to Golf with Jay Delsing. I'm your host, Jay Delsing. I'm here with my longtime friend, John Perlis, All-American golfer with us at the UCLA golf team, successful businessman and good buddy. And gosh, probably how many times did you wind up caddying for me on the tour? Probably too many in your your opinion. No, absolutely, absolutely not too many, but I was trying to remember the other day. I'm going to guess 50, 60 tournaments, something like that. So you made the cut most of the time. So there's a lot of rounds in there dragging that, that bag around. Nobody was talking about any cuts or anything <laughs> like that. Why'd you bring that up? No, well, it's great for, to have you with us. And uh, um, gosh, I'm, I'm so excited this, this day is finally here. Um, I've been uh, wanting to do something like this for a long, long time. I want uh, kind of, I want to give um, everyone an idea what to expect from this show. I mean, it's obviously going to be golf. We're going to talk a lot about golf, um, but we're going to do some other interesting things, at least in my opinion, um, that golf brings to the table. We're going to talk about the business side of golf. We're going to have some local CEOs on the show and talk about them and why, you know, they think golf is useful, how that helps them grow their business. Um, there's going to be some giveaways. Anytime, feel free to reach out at j at jdelsinggolf.com with a question, a swing tip, any sort of um, thing. And we will prompt you as the shows go along, and we will have special, um, oh gosh, we'll have special giveaways um, for whomever's uh, question or email is read on air. There'll be golf for two at Gateway National, which is a great place in the east side, one of three courses in St. Louis that is all bent grass. It's a fantastic course. I've carried it around you for, uh, your bag around that place several times. That's a wonderful golf course. And uh, that's compliments of Walter's Golf Management. So, Jeff and uh, Lucy, thanks so much for that. Um, we're also going to have uh, a variety of things. You're going to have to stay tuned. We're going to have some great guests. I've got some some friends and some uh, folks that, that I've met through the years of, of playing, and uh, they'll be local, they'll be national, uh, David Faraday's in the hopper. I don't have him absolutely confirmed for next week, but we're going to shoot for, for him to be on our next show. And uh, that'll be, oh, my gosh, that'll be so much fun. I I think I'll just have to turn the mic on and hand it over to him. I'm not sure what to do with uh, David Faraday. Well, we've talked about it. That could be two or three shows right there. That, yeah. uh, that's an interesting uh, person. I'm super excited that you uh, having him on the show. And the one thing for certain about Faraday is that you don't have any idea what to expect. So uh, you, to try to expect the unexpected um, will be, will be great. Um, there's um, uh, a lot to cover. Let's take a, a just kind of a little uh, overview of what the show today's show is going to be about. We're going to go over the highlights of 2018. I think um, it's a great way to start. Uh, gosh, St. Louis is smack dab right in the middle of of, of PGA Tour golf and what happened this year. Um, we had a great championship at Belle Reve. We had a um, an unbelievable. Um, competition and the way it all played out and um so we're going to do a little bit about that we can't go uh, have a show without talking about tiger tiger will be right in the mix we'll talk a little bit about the Ryder cup we'll talk about phil in the u.s open we'll um and then we'll um we'll close the show up with um talk about the rules of golf what's changing in 2019 big time schedule changes on tour uh there's some neat changes that are going on with some iconic golf courses we'll talk about we just got a, a wide variety. We'll uh, we'll highlight some of the up and coming players, both uh, uh, across the pond and um, some U.S. players, and um, we're going to break this show down, folks, into uh, what you typically expect if you go to the golf course. So this first segment, we're calling it on the range. Mm-hmm. So when you go to the golf course, you you grab your clubs. Hopefully, you've got a little time and hit a, hit a few balls. And this is our our on the range segment presented by Twenty Minutes to Fitness. Uh, Twenty Minutes to Fitness has been a longtime friend of mine, and um, 
gosh, if you're uh, aging like I am and you're still wanting to, to play the game, um, go see our folks at 20 Minutes of Fitness. They have a fantastic golf-specific program that you will enjoy and will help you play better golf. Um, so here we go. Let's talk a little bit about the players of the year. On the PGA Tour, this is a guy. He's currently world number one. He flies under everybody's radar. Who, who out there could even guess who it is right now? I, I, that's kind of why I wanted to yep. set this thing up. ESPN just released its top 20 dominant performances in the year across the board in sports. And this dude didn't make it on there. Mm. And by the way, he won two major championships this year. He won at Bell Reef. He beat Tiger by two. And all everybody's still talking about him. We're going to get to Tiger, but we're talking about Brooks Kepka. And, and, and this guy's won three major championships in his career already. He's only 28 years old. It took him 105 events to get to world number one. And we can't get anybody to talk about him. That's interesting. And you can see when he uh, does take interviews and uh, does talk about what he's accomplished, they always want to bring up Tiger. They always want to talk about different types of situations. And I think I see a little irritation underneath, uh, underneath his breath uh, that they don't just talk about him and, and what he's accomplished and that he is uh, kind of the story for 2018. We've got a sound bite from Brooks at Bell Reef. Take a listen. Everybody was rooting for Tiger. <laughs> I mean, as they should. Um, you know, he's probably the, he's the greatest player to ever play the game, and uh, to have the comeback that he's having is, is incredible. Um, you know, you look at the British Open uh, when he – when he finally got that lead, how energetic that crowd was. And then when he started making that run, it it brought me back to when I was a kid, you know, when I was watching him and you heard those roars. I mean, that, but what else you need to know? Here's a guy that, you know, it doesn't happen very often on the PGA Tour where you got a chance to be interviewed and you're going to give all of your time to another player. And, you but know, that's happened a lot through the years. I mean, that's happened an awful lot through the years. And it's, it's certainly justified in many places. But I wonder... Has any player ever just kind of stood up and says, "Hey, why don't we just talk about me?" I, I've heard a few. I've heard a few now and again, and um, um, it's interesting as you get a little more seasoned, you're, you're able to kind of control what uh, and how the questions come in, and you, yeah. you know you avoid that. But this guy is just um, well, he's a phenomenal player. If you look at him, he looks like a middle linebacker. He is absolutely uh, a, kind of the prototypical modern day golfer. Just just tons and tons of muscle. Tons and tons of speed, loves hitting his driver, and um, seems to have ice water in his veins. But we're talking about Brooks Koepka. He had a great year. Like I said, five wins and uh, definitely someone that flies under the radar. Um, the next player I want to talk about is the player of the year on the LPGA Tour. This woman, her name is Aria Jutanargan. Sorry, I, I, I practiced that for three hours, and I still messed it up. Give it one more shot. Give it one more shot right. here. Aria Jutanargan. And I think that was good. Yeah, it was. That's okay. She's not going to be calling me anytime for some <laughs> family uh, get-togethers. But Aria is a hell of a player. She completely swept all of the LPGA mm. uh, awards across the board. The Player of the Year. She won her first major. She's only 23 years old. She's um, uh, a Taiwanese player and um, a big, strong, almost, if you would, like an LPGA, uh, a PGA player uh, prototype. For the LPGA, strong mm. uh, woman, a little thicker, and and very very powerful. And uh, man, does she have a lot of game! And so it's really um, uh, interesting to uh, to be able to follow Area and see how she does um, the rest of her career. 
Jay, what were her, some of her biggest wins? Well, she she was the uh, LPGA Tour leading money winner, uh, not only in 2018 but 2016. She won the Women's U.S. Open. Uh, she's the first Taiwanese woman to win a major championship mm-hmm. on the LPGA Tour. And you know, one of the things that folks might not realize about the LPGA Tour: take a look at their schedule. They play a global schedule. Mm-hmm. They play some in the U.S. They'll play down in. They'll play in Paris. Uh, oftentimes, you know, they're definitely playing in the in the uh, Far East or playing in Korea. They, they'll play in. Uh, they uh, years ago, I know they played in South America. These these women have been playing this global or this world tour for quite a number of years, and the travel has got to be just brutal on those scales. That's a huge challenge. That's impressive. Uh, very impressive. Uh, be able to do that and kind of get the uh, the name, the pictures, the people uh, uh, kind of world renowned. That's good for them. They've come a very long way with that tour. Yeah, they really have. There's still plenty of challenges. We'll talk about those through through the shows throughout the year. But um, let's talk about a couple of the other major winners. Um, man, it's hard to talk about golf and not bring up Francesco Molinari. What a phenomenal year this uh, Italian had. First Italian player to ever win a PGA Tour event. Mm. And also first Italian player to ever win a major championship. And he played with Tiger and was kind of, and we're going to get into Tiger next segment, but, you know, here's Tiger with the lead, seven holes left on Sunday, and here's Molinari, stoic and playing his ass off, just driving the ball down the middle of the fairway. And by the way, Carnoustie is a beast. It is one Hell of a time. Ask Jean Vandeveld. He's still trying to figure out how to play 18. <laughs> Unfortunately, he's still re- trying to recover yeah. from that. He pretends like he doesn't, but he's still trying to recover oh, from Oh, my that. gosh. But um, so Francesco Molinari, and not only that, he the first, uh, and we'll talk about this in a later segment, but he had a phenomenal Ryder Cup. Instrumental, kind of the, the he and Tommy Fleetwood were instrumental in, 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 um, in taking that European team on to a win. It was just it was uh, just a, a, a thorough thrashing of the red, white, and blue, which unfortunately we'll talk about a little bit later, too. And, you know, Patrick we- Reed won the Masters, which is uh, probably, I'm going to say, probably the most polarizing U.S. player on tour. Patrick Reed, um, I'm not going to, I don't really know him that well. I don't know if we're going to call him misunderstood, but he's certainly not afraid of drama. And and it seems like controversy and drama follow him wherever he goes. Mm-hmm. He um, kind of hated by his uh, college golf teams and was accused of cheating and stealing things from the players. And, you know, he wins the Masters, and I think he had his parents escorted off the property. You well, know? I didn't hear that, but I heard all kinds of things, uh, fifth hand or tenth hand of how kind of crazy it was with the Ryder Cup team and how much uh, kind of behind-the-scenes stuff there was going on. The thing that, the thing that really irritates me about the Ryder Cup and – I don't know if we'll get this deep into it, but since you brought it up, why can't this stuff be handled out of the media? Why can't you take Jordan Spieth and Tiger and go in the back corner? You know, Phil Mickelson did that, and I'm a huge Phil fan now. Wasn't always, but I am now. And he came out publicly saying things against Tom Watson as a captain, and that is something that should not be be addressed in front of anybody. Take Tom in the back. You got a guy who's got to have a fist fight, then go ahead and have yeah. a fist fight. And nobody needs to know about that stuff. That's the way that stuff should be handled. And Patrick Reed, in my opinion, just missed the boat on that. I mean, oh, Jordan's got my number, you know, and all these things. Just leave it. Yeah, yeah. You, you just wonder what, what the upside is for them to drag that out into uh, in into the public. Uh, I don't know. I guess it makes some interesting uh, conversation for the folks in the public but I don't see the upside for the players, the team, uh, or their effort. 
Well, and I, I, it isn't. It's all a d- distraction and a detraction from what the goal is. You know, this is about golf, man. This isn't a uh, some sort of soap opera. So um, I do want to talk about Tommy Fleetwood. He had a great year and a, a real emergence in the scene. Um, at a great U.S. Open at Shinnecock. And there's a young man named Cameron Champ, a 23-year-old from Sacramento, California, won his, um, I think it took him four or five events on the PGA Tour to win. Uh, we'll talk a lot about him. Averaged 343 yards off the tee last year on the web.com tour. That's right. That's not a typo. I looked this up and looked at it three times. 343 yards. Almost as far as you hit it, Pearl. <laughs> in two. In two. All right, well, um, come back. We, our second segment's going to be all about Tiger Woods. TW is going to be our our, uh, our topic. We're going to have some sound bites from uh, Bell Reeve. Uh, so uh, come back and join uh, Golf with Jay Delsing in just a minute. Urban Chestnut Brewing Company is proud to be an official sponsor of 101 ESPN's newest show, Golf with our friend Jay Delsing. Just like Jay, Urban Chestnut is born right here in St. Louis. With three local brewing and restaurant locations, you won't travel far to sample straight from the source. If you're heading out to the links this weekend or if you're just in the mood for a classic German-style beer, grab a four-pack of our fresh, refreshing Zwickel Bavarian Lager wherever craft beers are sold. Urban Chestnut Brewing Company, St. Louis, Missouri, Prost. When I bought a home a few years back, my friend Joe Sheezer at USA Mortgage provided me with a pre-approval letter that changed my buying experience. The real estate agents and sellers treated me as if I was a cash buyer. The sale went smoothly. I love my new digs. I want to thank Joe and his team for giving me the highest quality of service and attention possible. Joe's a top producer for USA Mortgage and a true expert in his field. USA Mortgage is employee-owned and locally operated in all processing, underwriting, and closings take place here right in St. Louis. Call Joe today at 314-628-2015, NMLS number 281113. The Momentum Builders help business leaders compete in the big leagues. PGA Tour players, NFL quarterbacks, MLB pitchers, and Fortune 500 CEOs work with a coach on technique, strategy, and mental preparation. How about you, or are you going it alone? How are you handling the competition, the challenges, and opportunities you face daily? Are you realizing your dreams or tossing and turning all night in preparation for another long, stress-filled day fighting fires, too often the same fires you put out last month? Maybe it's time to change things up and bring in a fresh pair of eyes. Consider making the Momentum Builders part of your team. We look forward to hearing about your wins, losses, concerns, and exciting opportunities. Please view our website at themomentumbuilders.com or email us at john at themomentumbuilders.com. Golf with Jay listeners, your first meeting is complimentary. Hi, it's Jay Delsing here to tell you about a strength training program that helped me get back on tour. It can improve your game and your overall fitness too, and all it takes is 20 minutes once a week. I'm talking about the golf fitness program at 20 Minutes to Fitness. It targets the muscle groups used in golf. It strengthens your obliques, the muscles used during the golf swing, as well as your back and your leg muscles. It increases your flexibility and range of motion, and it builds cardio fitness and helps relieve back pain. I know because I've done it myself now for over eight years. Because you work out with a trainer on physical therapy equipment, it also reduces the chance of exercise-related injuries to almost zero. And it's safe no matter what kind of shape you're in. You need to try it to believe it. Your first session is free. 20 Minutes to Fitness is in Clayton and in Chesterfield. To learn more, visit 20minutestofitness.com. 20 Minutes to Fitness, it works for me. 
Welcome back to Golf with Jay Delsing. I'm your host, Jay Delsing. I'm here with my buddy, John Perlis. And, um, Perley, uh, gosh, we're going to talk about Tiger Woods. Um, I've got to say this. I was front and center saying he was done. I'm a person that's had back surgery. I know how I feel in the morning. This dude has had, he's on his fourth back surgery. The fusion for golfers is called the career ender. And, um, you know, just like Tiger, to do things his own way and to find a way. And um, when he came back and I saw how much speed he came back and had had so much speed in his golf swing, I went, holy cow. I remember uh, calling you when he first came back and and asking what you thought. I absolutely counted him out. Unfortunately for me, I've counted him out. I've lost about five or six bets on this guy. He's absolutely amazing. From the very beginning when he came on tour, I'll never forget, I think Nike put that $50, $60 million in his pocket. I was down at the PGA show in uh, Florida and happened to sit with the Nike person at the time and just kind of chuckling like, you guys got to be crazy. And he said, that's an unbelievable bargain. Well, it turned out to be an unbelievable bargain. This guy has exceeded expectations all along the way. And I remember my question to you, why do you, why could he do it? And you said, look at that club head speed. Look at the speed he's got in his swing. Well, and that's what the game is. It's a power game. Without the speed, you can't play on tour. And um, so, so think about this. Here's a guy, he comes out on tour. Great swing, all of this, these accolades, and uh, wins his first year, and then just just takes golf by storm. World number one, all of these things happen. Not, then all of a sudden, 2009, Thanksgiving, all the drama. Oh, gosh, we don't even want to go there. But, I mean, so he's gone from the pinnacle to mug shots, public ridicule. I mean, how embarrassing for this this person. An incredible fall. That's what I guess makes the, the comeback so spectacular is where what he came back from. And you know what's interesting? It's so cool to have St. Louis be such a part of it because I saw with my own eyes on Sunday at Bell Reef, Tiger recapture the PGA Tour stage as his own personal playground. And it was fantastic. The people, the energy. You know, he would do something on the course and it was the roars were Tiger-esque. It wasn't, oh, Brooks Kepka made a bird. It was Tiger. You could tell. We got a, a really cool soundbite from Tiger uh, from St. Louis at the 100th anniversary of the PGA Championship. The people here were so positive. Um, the energy was incredible. But I'm just, this how, the positiveness of that. Uh, everyone was, was willing, you know, every, every shot that everyone hit. There, there was no negative comments. No one was jeering. No one was making... Snide remarks. Everyone was very positive, and uh, they're excited. Yeah, um, they sometimes pick sides. Yes, but they were respectful, and um, that's. I, I wish we could play in front of crowds like this, you know, every single week because um, this is a, a true pleasure. Wow, I mean that. Uh, so let's let's talk about Bell Reef for a minute. Let's talk about St. Louis for a second. You were so excited when that tournament was going to come to this city. You've been an advocate to bring major golf to St. Louis for so many years. I was just kind of pumped up for you. And I, I knew you knew it was going to be a big deal in this town. Oh, my gosh. I was trying to tell people that for two, three, four years prior to it happening just because, you know, look at St. Louis is a great city. It's a great sports town. From from the corporate side of you, uh, point of view, man, did they show up out there. They they supported the event like like none other, and um, and they always have. You know, we had the BGA Championship in 92. We had some World Golf Championships. The corporate citizenship in St. Louis is strong. But let's talk about the spectators. 
and I know the PGA of America is not accustomed to releasing numbers, but I've played in more than a couple of these, and I've been to a lot of them. It was I, – I, I, I've never seen anything like it. I, 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 I'm just going to say, and I know Jim Nance said this, and I, and I've, I've, I read it as well, but there were records broken, no mm. question about it. And, um, you know, there were some, some challenges with parking and things like that, but when it's all said and done, you know, the economic impact – Hundred million dollars. That's awesome. A uh, oh, hundred awesome. million dollars, and I mean, you you look at that, and um, we'll talk about that a little bit in a, in a, another segment. But man, what what did what Tiger did, and the way that he did it was so cool to have our town see it because we don't get golf here that much, mm-hmm. you know, and especially the best players in the world, and then to have it play out the way he did, and everybody's like, Tiger, 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 but. Tiger didn't win. <laughs> I was wondering when are you going to get to that. Tiger, Tiger did not win. win. And Brooks is like, I got the trophy. I got the yeah. first place. I got the first place check. But um, plus the fashion that Brooks won it in. I mean, I just can't not get the uh, the drive that he hit on seventeen coming down the stretch out of my mind. I caddied for you there. Was it the senior PGA? Senior day? PGA in thirteen, two thousand thirteen. You know, and, and you you bomb it, and uh, that was that kind of your target that uh, that far bunker to the left, and you just kind of try to peel it to the right off of that uh, bunker, and you hit some beautiful drives. This guy just kind of destroyed it. He just that he may have used that bunker as like a flyover. But uh, that was spectacular the way he, he dismantled the last couple of holes out there. Those are not easy, and they are not short. He made them look easy and short. Well, for anyone who's had the, the, you know, the good fortune to play Bell Reef, the 18th hole is like 478 yards long, and Tiger and Kepka are hitting driver in an wedge. And I can promise you, you didn't, I did you not didn't. do that. I don't even ever pull an L wedge out of the bag. Maybe on the third oh, shot. Oh, <laughs> pretty often on the third shot. I couldn't hit that fairway. If you, I needed a drone to drop my ball in that fairway. I could not hit that fairway. Anyway, let's get to, back to talking about Tiger. But okay. um, one of the things that's really cool about the year that he had, you know, the other thing that we got to talk about is how he moves the needle. What he does for our game is just incredible. And when he plays, our ratings are four or five times higher. And why is that significant? People like, you know, because some people might not like Tiger. Well, if you're a golf lover like I am, and hopefully, um, uh, you know, the folks listening are as well, this is what drives the PGA Tour. This is how and why corporations want to be involved. This is why they're playing for $10 bucks now instead of what we were playing. You know, we were playing our total purses were were half of what the first place check is when we were playing. Wow! And so it's um it's come a long way, and it's it's all tiger driven. I mean, his influence on the tour just uh, the, he's got uh, earmarks all over the place. I mean, this this power game, mm. it's tiger. Remember when I when I got out there, I was probably as long, if not longer, than everybody, and I was taught, man, you got to figure out how to get the ball in the fairway. These guys don't don't give a damn about the ball in the fairway. Did you, I didn't, did you? I didn't, didn't you care. care. I tried to care. <laughs> I care. I didn't hit many of I always thought I could caddy much better from the fairway, yep. but I, yeah. I never experienced much of that. And so that's a slap to me, and it should be because I was not a straight driver, but I was pretty long. So yeah, and, anyway, um, but he moves the needle, and, and then the crowds. And, I mean, watching the crowds, at, at, especially Sunday at Bell Reef, was just a real treat. Um, what's, the, what's the viewership? Do you have a sense of the viewership? I hear that from time to time. Is it like 25% more on TV viewership with, with him playing? Oh no! It's, more, yeah, it's multiple. It? It's multiple times more. That's when, amazing. When, and, and if he's when he's just playing in the event, it's it's you know maybe two times what he's challenging, and it, it, it can go up, you know, more multiple. But there's so many good players out there now. There's so many players that I like to watch. I definitely like to watch Tiger. I get it. He he moves the needle. What is it? 
Oh what my gosh, it's specific. First of all, to me, first of all, it's unmistakable to me that Tiger considers himself multiracial. For me, growing up as a caddy, and I saw all sides of this game. But for for Tiger to to be, you know, part African American, part Taiwanese, part you, you know, it, it opened doors that should have been opened years ago. And 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 gosh, to me, to, for golf to be ex- exclusive to your race is crap. It's mm. baloney. It should have. It's and, and I and I don't think that's an issue anymore. And I think that's for Ty. I, I think that's uh, uh, can be related directly back to Tiger. The other thing is, look at the style that he has with the way that he plays. He not only wants to beat, he wants to destroy you. And he wants everybody to know he's going to put all of this energy into it, and he is going to enjoy the hell out of it. And I think that's... I think, he did. I think he did today. enjoy it. I think, I, got, I think we saw him also try to approach it a little bit differently, have a little bit more of a smile on his face, sign a few more autographs, uh, reach out to folks, that kind of stuff. I think some of that's really, really hard for him. I'm not sure how it played ultimately for him inside. That'd be love to ask him that question sometime. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, he had one heck of a year and one heck of a comeback. It certainly didn't hurt him. And I think he, he endured himself, endeared himself to the fans even more. There's no question. I mean, we looked at a different Tiger, in my mind, yeah. no doubt about it. I'm not saying he didn't have the same drive and everything, but if you look, we fast forward. His year was incredible. He had a second-place finish at Valspar, the Arnold Palmer tournament that he's won a half a dozen times or more. He finished fifth place was uh, aside from that duck hook on 16 that he had out of bounds, and Rory had a spectacular finish. It might have had a different ending there. Um, and he did I, – I was fortunate to cover him at the U.S. Open. He played with Dustin Johnson and, and uh, Justin Thomas and just had a bad week. Mm. It just did not look like much of himself. But if you look at his year in general, 11th at the Players' Championship, then he went to Quicken Loans, 4th, a 6th place finish at Carnoustie at the Open Championship. And, you know – when Tiger gets the lead, he doesn't cough it up very often, and he did there. But it was all part of this process. Yeah. And then at Bell Reef, he recaptured it. He did not win, but he recaptured that vibe or that whatever that intangible is that he has, he got it back. Well, he knows it's there, and he kept talking about the process throughout the year. And sometimes, you know, it would be kind of like, really, Tiger, the process? We just watch you chili dip. We watch you yank hook a couple of them out of bounds. By the way, any of us that have played golf for a while – it's tough to recover from that pull hook and that chili dip. And that, to me, was one of the biggest parts is that he recovered from those things in a big way. And all of a sudden, those disappeared. I was so surprised that those are, like, out of his bag now. Yeah, to watch him try to pitch the ball after being one of the best pitchers I've ever seen to chili and, uh, you know, and all oh, my glutes weren't firing. I'm like, huh? Huh? <laughs> How did you come up with that? Well, I've used a lot of excuses. I've heard a few from you. You you weren't too good. You were always pretty much owning up to it. But I never heard anybody talk about the glutes not follow. Uh, uh, what was it? Firing. firing, yeah. I, I'm not sure I have glutes, but uh, especially when I'm pitching. But, um, you know, that, um, gosh, we could sit here and talk about Tiger forever and ever. But, um, man, what a great year. What a great comeback. It's going to be so fun to see what he does in 2013. But um, that was the front nine. We're going to make the turn and uh, head to the back nine. So uh, join us here on Golf with Jay Delsing. 
Urban Chestnut Brewing Company is proud to be an official sponsor of 101 ESPN's newest show, Golf with our friend Jay Delsing. Just like Jay, Urban Chestnut is born right here in St. Louis. With three local brewing and restaurant locations, you won't travel far to sample straight from the source. If you're heading out to the links this weekend or if you're just in the mood for a classic German-style beer, grab a four-pack of our fresh, refreshing Zwickel Bavarian Lager wherever craft beers are sold. Urban Chestnut Brewing Company, St. Louis, Missouri, Prost! Let me tell you about what's happening at the Jerseyville Carpet and Furniture Gallery. They have the largest selection of Lazy Boy and Flex Steel furniture in the area. They also have sofas starting at just $377. The Kingstown King Size Ultra Premium Mattress Sets, a $2,500 value, now just $997 while they last. In stock Mohawk carpet for just $0.99 cents a square foot. You can call them at 618-639-9858 or find them online at www.jerseyvillecarpetfurniture.net. Welcome back to Golf with Jay Delsing. I'm your host, Jay Delsing. I'm here with my longtime buddy, golf enthusiast, caddy, and whipping boy, <laughs> John Perlis. Perley, thanks for joining me. Folks, reach out to me at uh, jay at jdelsinggolf.com with any questions, uh, comments, Anything you'd like to hear on the show, um, we are going to have giveaways. We've got Golfer 2, compliments of Walters Golf Management at Gateway National. Uh, we read your question or comment on air, and you will be eligible for that golf for that uh, free giveaway. So, uh, Jay at jdelsingolf.com, please. Um, we're on the back nine, Pearl. And uh, the Ryder Cup, the route of the Ryder Cup. And I've got to say... The Europeans do something so much better than we do. Win? They win, and they win a little more. But they pick the golf courses beautifully, and we are we fail at that. We just absolutely do. And here's what I mean by that. The Ryder Cup was in Paris, outside of Paris, Golf de Nationale. One player on the U.S. team had ever seen or played the golf course before. Justin Thomas had enough, whatever you want to call it, insight. Foresight. To go... Over and play in the in the French Open. Every single one of the European players have played that golf course at least thirty times. I went over it probably closer to fifty times, bro. I can't tell the folks enough how important it is to know a golf course going into something. When I qualified for the U.S. Open in 1992, it was like a 1,000 years ago, but when I went and, and played there, compared to the U.S. Open, I qualified at Wingfoot. Mm-hmm. I've played Pebble Beach 200 times. All I needed to do was go get on that golf course and see what modifications the USGA had made, how fast the greens were, where the rough was, stuff like that. When I went to Wingfoot, I'm like, holy cow. I played this course one time. I was in college. It absolutely destroyed me. I had all these negative thoughts in my head, and 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 um, and look what happened. I mean, I couldn't. I I I I was blown away at our inability as a team to adapt to the golf course. Everybody kept smashing their driver, and the Euros knew it. They grew the rough extremely penal. Couldn't even play out of it. Couldn't find your ball half the time. Yet we kept doing it. So we don't know the golf course because we haven't gone and, and had our rounds there to really get the subtleties of the track. And then we don't really have the players that necessarily match the course as they conditioned it. And that's not going to change because you earn your way onto the team. But, you know, these guys, so the, this uh, bomb and gouge 
as uh, it's like to be called the way the modern tour player plays now, uh, which is smash your driver. It doesn't matter if it goes in the rough. And But when the rough is so penal, wouldn't you think you'd try to back off that we couldn't get the guys to back off? And the, and the Euros just absolutely routed us, and it wasn't much of a competition. And then we get, you know, some of the Patrick Reed drama at the end, and it seemed like, gosh, here we are, more of the same old thing. So well, uh, let me ask you, I mean, can you separate that out? Let's, okay, so... As you said, you qualify through the last couple of years to to make the Ryder Cup. That's who's on the team. How many uh, picks does the uh, captain have now? Four now. Four so now. The, so the, the captain. So that's part of my question. So did the captain pick the four players that were most adept at, at uh, playing the layout that the uh, Euros would put in there, or did he also go with bombers on top of it? Plus, let's say they each would have gotten ten or fifteen or twenty rounds in their practice. How much of a difference do you think that would have made? Oh, massive difference! And look, uh, Jim Furyk's a great guy. Jim Furyk is studied, cares. I'm not saying any of that, but I mean, you can't leave Kevin Kisner at home on a golf course like that. You cannot. He's 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 going to be a point generating machine for you. But how do you leave Tiger and Phil off? First of all, Phil's still, in my opinion, dealing with a hangover at Shinnecock and that mm-hmm. whole debacle. And Tiger just won his first tournament in five years, absolutely worn out. But how do you leave the two best players on tour for the last 25 years? They've won, you know, 30% of the tournaments played over that period of time. How do you leave them off? I don't know. I mean, obviously, in hindsight, you know, it it looks like a couple tough calls. I guess I just kind of keep going back to I don't know that you can leave those guys off. But, you know, as as a captain— Boy, don't you figure out how to get them out there, um, you know, uh, a couple months ahead of time, figure something out. I mean, jump on a jet, go out there, do something. It's that, that part, when you're saying you see it being that much of a difference, uh, all the other things being equal, then then that's a tangible. That's a that's a, uh, a thing that they absolutely had control of, and they didn't do it. No, there's no question. And, I mean, look, you got to know what the course is going to be like. you got to know it's going to favor the Euros. They're straighter hitters. They don't you know, because even when it's a blowout, Jay, you can boil it down to a putt here and a putt there. So to your point, if you know the subtleties, if you get that extra five, ten, fifteen rounds in, you know how many times when you're playing on the tour, you're going back to a course that you understand. How much of an advantage is that from the first year or two that you're out there? Yeah, oh, I understand experience and you've been on tour, but just knowing the courses versus a new course that they plug in on you, that you know everybody's at that disadvantage. Yeah, there's no, there's no doubt. And then, so let's just swap this over and go to, uh, you know, um, not next this year, but next year, the Ryder Cup is at Whistling Straits. It's absolutely equal. Can anybody get used to that one? No, it's absolutely <laughs> right. It's absolutely equal playing grounds because we don't play it as a tour. We don't have an event here, and uh, on that, we played a couple of PGA Championships there, and. The Euros are going to know it as much as we are. Yeah. And look, our top 12 players on these tours, it's a pair of sixes on who's going to win. It's not like the old days when it was just, you know, by the way, the Red Cup used to be just Great Britain and Europe versus the U.S. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sorry, it was just Great Britain and Ireland. And it wasn't, it was because of Bernard Langer and because of Seve Ballesteros, Jose Maria Olathabal, all these great players started coming from these regions that were not included. And the fact that we just destroyed right. your, you know, Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicholas, all those guys. They, they, the, the, it's like a who's who of the Hall of Fame and the founders of our game, you know, that were playing so well. And so, you know, it's 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 absolutely changed. It's a better change. I love the inclusiveness of Europe in there. It's a great competition. I will say this, especially for you betting folks, the U.S. should never be prohibitive favorites in this. 
ever. You can give them a slight edge or they can be a slight underdog. But don't read all the U.S. press clippings. Man, these European guys can play and they can really play well. And when I heard about how this U.S. team was such a heavy favorite over there, I went, oh, my gosh. There's no way. Yeah. There, there just isn't. So I don't want to beat this uh, rider. This uh, rider cup horse is long dead. But um, it was a, it was a disappointment. I'm a I bleed the red, white, and blue for that week, and I I, I just love to it's see it. It's disappointing because we didn't win, and you could and you could see the little bit of disadvantage. I think because of the reasons you're you've pointed out, but it's still to me maybe the thing I like most about watching golf on TV. No, it's it's, it's a I really do. I love yeah. watching the majors. There's a lot of tournaments I like. But there's just something special about that. And just one one point I want to throw out there, too. You know, regular PGA Tour events, when you're not playing well, they can make you disappear on TV. And I think that's the advantage of the uh, of the player. So they don't just feel terrible, you know, hitting it sideways. You get in the Ryder Cup, your shots are going to get shown. You're out there. You could be completely off your game that week or that month. As you mentioned, Tiger was tired. There's other things going on. They're going to show you. They're going to show you, unfortunately, hitting some really ugly shots that you might hit Ten times that many ugly shots on tour, they'll never show it because they'll make you disappear if you're not playing well. So that's, right. that's another thing. And players know that. They know that, uh-oh, I might not be completely on my game, but I'm front and center. Right, right. We've got a great sound bit. I just want to go back to Bell Revere quickly. We've got a great sound bit from my friend Jim Nance uh, talking about St. Louis. The city gets charged for this event. And I've been warned, just as, as, as you heard, from the PGA of America, they think it's going to be the best attended. And they think it's going to be the loudest golf crowd that they've ever been around. Well, he was sure right. He was sure right. And um, I uh, I got to talk to him a little that week, and uh, he was just literally gushing mm. about the response. And um, It's fun for those guys, too, isn't it, when people are into it like that? Oh, my gosh. And as a player, and I mean, you heard some of Tiger's comments earlier. It's just fantastic. And, I mean, you know, the the fact that they come out to to see that there wasn't any negative comments. There was no jeering, you know. And, um, you know, when I played, I gave people a lot to jeer about. There's some bad (laughs) shots that come out of my bag. And it it, it was a good feeling to to know that the city responded so well. The crowds, the corporate, the, the golf course had some challenges. But... You know, this thing's going down in the books as a is a over overblown, overrunning success. It was spectacular. Yeah, absolutely. That was fantastic. Uh, you kind of saw it coming. You'd been excited about it for a while. Uh, city showed up. I just wonder what's in the future for the uh, for the city with uh, with big tournaments. Is there anything in the works that you're aware of? Um, yes, yes, there are things in the works. That's, That's awesome. about all I can say. And uh, um, and I hope that some of the things that are in the works, you know, come to fruition. You know, we had. One thing I want to talk about before this break, we had a couple of we got a couple of farewells in 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, President uh, George H. W. Bush uh, passed away, and why I'm bringing him up? He was the first um, national honorary chairman of the first tee. He is his name Walker, as they have been a huge family of golf supporters. The Walker Cup, the, um, the it's the Ryder Cup version for amateur mm-hmm. golfers, uh, is named after his family. Um, he um, was just a huge supporter, a patriot, uh, just a fantastic um, human being. And um, uh, he did a lot for golf, and we're going to miss him. Also, Johnny Miller will no longer be the lead analyst for NBC Sports, and um, I'm not too sad about that. Why is that that you're not too sad about that? I, I, You know what, Johnny? I just did not like Johnny's style. I feel like he has completely forgotten how hard the game was. You know, there's a guy that never stepped foot on the Champions Tour, 
but talks about, gosh, I can't believe he's choking right now. I'm like, Johnny. I like that. You know, I, you and I go back and forth on that for, for years. I like the straightforwardness. He obviously was out there. Did he forget a little bit? Yeah, I forgot a little bit. But also remember, he went back out there after being in the booth for a long time and won at Pebble Beach. So he could kind of step back out there. Now, he won, I think he was a double claw gripping it and closing his eyes. eyes It's it's not like he wasn't dealing with it, but he found a way to deal with it. So that's one place you and I disagree a little bit. I always kind of compared him to Bill Walton, how Bill Walton would talk about basketball. Same thing. Guy throw up an air ball. The other guys would say, oh, that must have been tipped. Bill Walton say he he choked. He never should have taken the shot. So different perspectives, and I can see. I know he irritated some of the other players on tour because I can remember coming out of the locker uh, room from time to time, caddy for you, and, and hearing those other guys uh, be a little disgruntled by, by some of the comments uh, that he bestowed upon them. It was different, you know, when Johnny came up in the tournament that Johnny won. I had an opportunity to win that event, and I didn't. So maybe that's why I'm pissed at Johnny still. It's, it's, it's all his <laughs> now fault. we're getting to the bottom of the yeah, whole thing. Yeah, that's it. All right. All that therapy and look what comes <laughs> out. Um, but um, it's going to be what's, what's really interesting, though, is Paul Azinger, who will be on this show, is going to take Johnny's place. And uh, I like Paul's comments. I think it's going to be interesting, and it's all good for golf. And I know that Johnny is the uh, – he's going out as the um, most popular golf analyst. And um, – I think it's kind of appropriate for the way that our society is. I mean, Johnny tells it like it is. And, um, you know, my kind of take on that is that, you know, if you're ever nervous, this is the time you're going to choke. Man, I'm nervous right now. I got to, you know, hit this shot off of this live. But um, we're going to go back. um, uh, We're going to take a break here and come back for the 19th hole, our our last segment today. We're going to talk about some of the rules of golf changes and uh, what to expect for 2019. So join us back with. Golf with Jay Delsing. The Momentum Builders help business leaders compete in the big leagues. Professional athletes and Fortune 500 CEOs work with a coach on technique, strategy, and mental preparation. How about you, or are you going it alone? Maybe it's time to change things up and bring in a pair of fresh eyes. Consider making the Momentum Builders part of your team. View our website at themomentumbuilders.com or email us at john at themomentumbuilders.com. Golf with Jay listeners, your first meeting is complimentary. I am delighted to tell you about my friends at Jerseyville Carpet and Furniture Gallery. They're a family-owned business since 1973. Father Danny Kev started the business, and sons Matt and Jared are now fully involved. They host the area's largest selection of Lazy Boy and Flex Steel furniture, as well as a full-service Mohawk Color Center featuring carpet, hardwood, laminate, and waterproof flooring. Everything is professionally installed. Easy delivery and setup of new furniture however and wherever you want it. And these folks will also haul away all of your old furniture for you. Going the extra mile, that's what Jerseyville Carpet and Furniture Gallery is all about. Come in and say hello to Matt or Jared or any of their designers for a free in-home consultation Measurements and estimates included. Visit jerseyvillecarpetfurniture.net or call them at 618-639-9858. Doster, Olam, and Boyle LLC are a proud sponsor of Golf with Jay Delsing here on 101 ESPN. The firm was started in January 2015 by Mike Doster, Jess Olam, and John Boyle, three veterans of the St. Louis real estate, banking, commercial, and corporate legal landscape. The firm was founded on the shared view that success should be measured by client and community satisfaction, not profits for partner. The firm's focus is on business, real estate, corporate finance and restructuring, and succession planning. 
Since its founding in 2015, Doster, Olam, and Boyle have been involved in real estate, business, and corporate transactions with a combined value in excess of over $1 billion. For decades, Doster, Olam, and Boyle lawyers have been recognized as leaders in their practice areas by their peers. Doster, Olam, and Boyle, LLC. Extraordinary talent, ordinary people. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertising. We just finished the back nine, and now we're going to my favorite part of golf, the 19th hole. Welcome back to Golf with Jay Delsing. I'm your host, Jay Delsing. I'm here with my, my buddy, John Perlis. And, um, Perley, sitting in the 19th hole, what are you having? I got to put the bag down. That's the best part of the 19th hole. I got to put the bag down. And what am I having? I'm having a cold one, Jay. Yeah, of course we're having a cold one. That's why we, that's why we play golf, the drinking and the swearing. I mean, that, that's... Um, it's funny, um, I've, I've said that for so long, that that is kind of like a tagline with golf. With, like, So if you play a lot of golf, you know how to drink and you know how to swear. I remember the guys in Southern California back in the PV, back in the college days. Uh, they were very adamant about it. They, uh, the golf round was to uh, only warm up for the card game afterwards. And they were serious about the card game, and they were serious about getting warmed up. Yeah, they, they, they did both of those, and the golf was like, hurry the hell up. You're taking too long. we got to go in and play some cards. So um, anyway, so let's talk a little bit about the um, the rule changes. The USGA, and, and I've got to get I've, – I've, I've beat the USGA over the head a few times with some of the things they've done, and um, but – We've got to. I definitely got to give them credit, and uh, so accolades here for making these rule changes. The, the, and the, the the biggest reason, Pearl, is they're trying to make it simpler. They're trying to speed up the game. They're trying to make it more understandable. It's one of those things that um, I had a chance to talk with Mike Davis. We were out at uh, Chambers Bay for the U.S. Open, um, the first U.S. Open I, I was fortunate enough to do, and I said, Mike, I, I just see. So many of my buddies have played this game for 20, 30, 40 years, and they still don't know the rules. Mm-hmm. I watch them break the rules all the time, and they don't. You know, it's one thing if you intentionally break the rule, like, I don't care. I'm just going to drop this ball, but they don't. Well, some of them do it intentionally. Well, of course. And we those won't, are the we won't name names right now, but maybe in the next episode. Yeah, that's right. So um, one of the things, um, the rule changes, there's an, an out-of-bounds change so that if uh, your ball's out-of-bounds, and this is not going to be applicable for the PGA Tour. You're still going to get stroke and distance penalty, but... You're going to be able to f- figure out where that ball crossed some margin of the fairway and, and move back and drop your ball and hit it from there. So is that the first time that they've made some separate rules for amateur club play versus tour? Can you explain that? Yeah, where, where is that going? Do, you, do we even know yet? No, we don't know yet. And, okay. I mean, I think that's one of the things that only time is going to tell, yeah, right? But yeah. I think what's going to happen, and the practical uses of how these things are going to play out are going to change. And that's what, it's, it's difficult because – with the rules of golf, the situations just aren't always the same. There's yeah. always a condition that changes, and it makes it difficult for the rules of golf. But because um, that changes handicaps, that changes an awful lot good. of things. We got to get one of the local uh, PGA pros uh, to help us with that, and maybe uh, even how they're going to uh, bring it in, introduce it into their clubs. That's a big deal. I, I, you got that money game, and uh, you're having to give Joe uh, two less shots. You're going to be good with that. Joe's not going to be good because the difference is. Joe didn't hit it out of bounds. There's a lot of things going to happen here that could really change. Yeah, there's no question. I'm not sure what Joe Sheeter you're referring to, but it could be him. <laughs> anyway, what we're going to do Nobody is... Nobody is there. Fortunately, there's only one of those guys. That's right. Oh, I love that, man. So what we're, what we're what's going to happen, though, is um, there's there's all sorts of different uh, things. So, Pearl, what they do is oftentimes on tour they'll call it a local rule. There'll yeah. be a stipulation on the hard card. You know, the hard card is a is a sheet you get on the first tee that's got a, a listing of the rules and things like that. And for most of us, 
we know what those are. That, you brings, know, up the, that brings up a story, just a short one. I remember we're going down. I think we're playing Spyglass, and I think you're playing with uh, uh, Joe Buck, and we're three-quarters of the way down the the, uh, the hole, and you turned to me and said, uh, now, have you got the pin sheet, and have you got the uh, the extra rule uh, sheet? That, and I said, God dang it, I forgot it. I thought you got it. I had to run up that dang hill for forever, but we couldn't get out of that golf course for four and a half or six hours, whatever that pro round was, without those rules. No, no, that's right. I mean, it, it, it's because inevitably when you're out there and you're playing with amateurs and even when, you know, the balls just go where they're not supposed to go and you're like, man, what am I supposed to do here? I, it, it's just not It's just not clear. Yeah, It's yeah. not clear. So um, there's a new dropping procedure. You can drop from knee height. You know, and that's been altered already. They thought you could drop it from an inch. From, it, you know, it's not easy. And the USGA is trying. And so this is going to be a work in progress. So okay? I think we started dropping it behind our back. Didn't we, we do dropped that? it behind our then back. Then our... it was shoulder height. Then it was like you had to do like a little jig with your drop. No. But it, 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 we did. We dropped the ball behind our, over our shoulder. It wasn't allowed to touch you on the way down or she had to redrop. And there's all sorts of... You know, so they're trying to clean that up. And we, need to get a, we need to get a local USGA guy here. Let's get a local G- USGA guy for one of your shows and a local PGA guy, and we'll let them go at it for about 15 minutes and see if anything was resolved. Well, what's interesting is I did talk to my buddy Jim Deaton, who is a, an officer in the PGA of America, always part of the Ryder Cup, always part of the PGA yep. Championship, a great guy, one of the, the um, world-renowned rules authorities. Mm-hmm. Takes, uh, tests out well on that test every year, and... We talked yesterday, and, and it's a work in progress. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's um, it's not easy to make sweeping changes like this. It's not easy. If you're looking at the Century Tournament that um, that's being played this week, you know, the players have been complaining about it. There's a special uh, seminar that the PGA Tour rules officials are going to give. So there's a lot of questions out there. We're, we're probably um, posing more questions than we are answers here, but we really don't. I really don't know how they're going to play out. If you have any of these questions, you can reach out to us at uh, j at jdelsongolf.com, and um, uh, we read it on the air, and you're going to get golf for you and your buddy, complimentary golf for you and your buddy at uh, Gateway National, compliments of Walters Golf Management. But um, something else, we're going to skip over, the because the, the, we could kick this rules uh, thing around quite a bit. You know, the U.S. Open is being played at Pebble Beach this year. Your favorite, your favorite, favorite My place. favorite, favorite place, and um, Tiger... Had a really special U.S. Open there several years ago. Yes, we only did. won by 15 or 16 shots, I think, and so that's definitely something to look forward to to look to, to look at. Um, I know that in between that win, I think Graham McDowell won the, the U.S. Open mm-hmm. out there as well. The PGA Championship, Pearl, is moving. There's a lot of schedule changes on the PGA Tour. First of all, the players is moving to March. Secondly, the the PGA Championship is going from August to May. So now you're going to have players in March, PGA in May, Masters stuck in between there in April, U.S. Open June, British in July, Tour Championship will wrap up the year, Pearly, August 28th. I won't get off the, co- off the couch. This is going to be absolutely awesome. It's, it's going to give you a hell of a lot to, <laughs> to, to watch. And I think, you know, the, the um, condensing the schedule makes a lot of sense for a lot of reasons, and now they've included that wraparound schedule. I'd love to hear what you think, folks. Email me and tell me what you think about this wraparound schedule thing. It's um, it's uh, it's interesting because there's a, a week or two off, and then you have some some uh, the tour starting up again out in California and things like that. But uh, it never ends. Well, let me ask you a question, Jay. So we've got changes in the rules. 
You got changes in the schedule. And of my time out there, I never saw you guys all that happy and excited about change in general. You kind of, kind of like the way things were. So are you guys receiving this well, you think, or how's this going to go over with the players? I, I think there'll be some grumbling, maybe from some of oh, the yeah. older players. There's always grumbling. I mean, it's, you know, what kind of cheese do you want with that wine out there is kind of what, what it looks like on the PGA Tour. But, um, I, I, gosh, when I see these these players, I talk to them when we were getting preparing for Chambers Bay, and in my mind, I'm like, gosh, this golf course is a joke. And these guys are like, it's going to be fun. Yeah. You know, so the attitude is so important in how well you perform. So, you know what, though? You get 150 guys in a room, and you're going to get a mixed bag of anything. So there'll be plenty of complaining and, and things like that. i got to tell you, for us golf fans here in the Midwest, something really cool is happening. There is a, a World Golf Championship event down in Memphis in July at my absolute favorite tour event to play at TPC Southwind. So July 25th through 28th, the world's best players will be playing just four hours away. So if you're a golf junkie like we are, easy ride, jump on Highway 55 and head to Memphis, you're going to get your golf field down there. Something else really happened that's cool, Pearlie, the PGA of America, besides changing and moving their headquarters from West Palm Beach, Florida, to Frisco, Texas, they appointed their 41st president not too long ago, and long time coming, Susie Whaley, mm. the first female president of the PGA of America. Susie's a friend of mine. I got to play with her. I saw she played in a couple of, uh, she played in the Hartford event. And, um, you know, being the proud dad of four daughters and, uh, uh, you know, know how hard my daughters work to, uh, you know, in, in some of these more male-dominated things. I think this uh, uh, workplaces, I think this is really a cool thing for golf. And, uh, man, I am such a proponent of trying to get women to play this game. And, and, you know, I don't know if it's ego-driven or what, but, you know, men and women can be of equal skill. But the gals will shy away from playing, but the men will come right out and just and just play. I wish we could get more women playing golf. I think that would be absolutely fantastic. I Growing up, one of my memories as being a junior golfer we were kind of in line it was the guys it was the women it was the juniors we we're low in the totem pole one thing i remember about the women they played faster than anybody well i think that's a big deal i think that's a really big deal and i think that's something where uh, they should uh, take a little round of applause for because that we all need to play faster to enjoy this game more it's a huge deal i just did a really cool thing at norwood hills this past september with julie inkster who will be on our show she is She's just fantastic. a cool woman a, just a great person She's been Solheim Cup captain twice. Anyway, we'll have a great time with her. But we played. There were eight women that signed up to play with us, and they paid a little bit to play. So we went back and forth. I played nine holes with a group, and we had a blast. And I'll tell you what, one of the one of the gals made a birdie, and I made a birdie, and we were walking back to the cart, and she goes, break out the birdie booze. And I go, what's birdie booze? And she goes, anytime we make a birdie, we have a shot. And I said, Man, how many birdies are you guys making? She goes, not very many. I go, you ought to consider par or bogey booze. <laughs> and they thought, pretty good idea. That, that's a heck of a good suggestion right there. Yeah, why would you want to? I mean, in a double bogey, hell, get that, you know, get a get uh, a, get a funnel and give me a whole lot of that. Uh, I remember I caddied for you in Las Vegas one year, and just kind of as a joke, and I was way out of my, my league there, but I knew I'd only be out there a couple of years, a couple of weeks a year, and if I got fired, I got fired. 
But remember you played with that uh, lady from Texas. Uh, it was one of your uh, partners in the Pro-Am. And I walked past her purposely, and I knew she was playing with you and said, Jay, I, I see you're playing with a girl today. She snapped her head around so fast and looked at me, gave me an evil eye. You gave me an evil eye like pearly. She paid five grand to play. Leave her alone. We come back. She was the coolest. We had more fun with her. She knew I was joking, and it was it made for a really good day. And uh, she held her own that day for sure. No, no doubt it. I mean, you've been with me in these, <clears throat> excuse me, these pro am uh, formats. There's got to be a way to break the ice, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what you were doing. And you know, sometimes these guys pay out so much money, and they're so uptight, and you want them to be able to relax because they'll play better. Yeah, absolutely. And so there was always something. You know, I'm like, I look at them like, hey, it's okay to swear out here. I might even swear myself. That has happened once or twice before. Not very often, but once or twice before. But what you know, just trying to get them to relax and get in the mood and say, "Gosh, man, I, you know, I, I, uh, I want to have fun. Yeah. Have some fun. Let's have some fun." Well, other sports do are doing a great job. I mean, the NFL makes a big, big deal of how do they uh, bring the ladies in uh, into the sport, and between the clothing, you see all the ads on TV. It's very much trying to bring that uh, involved. So this, this, uh, this, this tour, this game needs to do a better job of that as well. Absolutely. Well. We're going to have to wrap up this 19th hole in our first show. Pearly, gosh, man, I, I hate leaving the 19th hole. Maybe we'll have to go back once the show's over. But, uh, man, it was great to be with you today. Folks, thanks for tuning in. And uh, listen, next week we are going to have some interviews. We are going to have more fun stuff. Hopefully David Faraday will be with us. Um, Golf with Jay Delsing, 101 ESPN.